0: So in order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers, and we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to pay attention to and hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that happen, and I would love to learn more about the audience. So go to PodSurvey, that's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y, PodSurvey.com slash James, and take a quick totally anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better that way we can bring on advertisers and and even content that you won't want to skip so once you've completed the quick survey you can enter for a chance to win a hundred dollar amazon gift card terms and conditions apply again that's podsurvey.com slash james james thanks for your help this isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host this is the James Altucher Show on the Stansbury Radio Network. This is James Altucher at the James Altucher Show, and I'm also here with my co-host for today, Claudia Altucher, and Claudia, I'm very excited at today's, about today's guest.
1: I am too. Tell us why, James, because I, I can't believe that you finally got this guest. I'm so excited.
0: It's one of my favorite TV shows. It's The Prophet on Mark on CNBC, and the star of The Prophet is Marcus Lamanis. So he's the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company called Camping World. They're in the RV business. And what he does is, it's almost like CNBC's version of Shark Tank, but not quite, what he does is, and we've watched every episode, uh, which we've is why I wanted you to, to be co-host yes. of this, uh, uh, he walks into every, he he, he gets 40,000, he, he's gotten 40,000 requests for help from different companies that are in trouble. He's picked out, let's say, a couple of dozen. He goes into a company. He writes them a check on the spot to invest in the company. He works out a deal on just a handshake, and then you see him. He's down there. Cleaning the walls, painting things, moving cleaning shelves bathrooms around
1: bathrooms, doing whatever. Yeah, in on, sh- on the
0: on the Ecome show, he was cleaning the bathrooms. By the way, it's interesting to see what he says about it in the episode we just did right now. But he he gets down there and he has he has a philosophy where he's gonna help them out. A company can be helped by either improving the people, and so that might mean um helping an owner become a better you know business manager or or getting rid of bad employees or dealing with the egos of the uh, managers or whatever or the other uh, thing he does is process so looking at how the products are made and maybe that could be done more efficiently i remember
1: and, one show where the bottles were being bottled one per every 2 minutes or so and he could get it down to like one every second yeah that. so he bought
0: he he invested in the equipment to make the the process more efficient and ultimately cheaper for him in the long run and then his final he has three p's people Process product. So ultimately, he, he tries to improve the product. So for instance, in the Key Lime Pie case, they were using artificial ingredients. He had them improve the product by using organic re- ingredients, using a special recipe, and but so on. But what's
1: interesting is to see the, the, the skin in the game that the business owners have and how much of them personally is involved, whereas a little change that would seem very, very simple is very hard for them to do. Like
0: Yeah, for instance, like when he changed Athens Motors... To AutoMatch USA, uh, the guy's name was Athens, and he, he, he. A lot of the times, the egos get in the way, and that's where Marcus is particularly good, I think, at going into a company and figuring out what all the egos are and how to work with them, and he he's firm but he has kind of a compassionate he has way a of a
1: soft, nice touch, very human, very, he, he's amazing with the people who are ready to understand. He, he also cuts losses yeah. when there is someone that you just know is not good for the business. Yeah.
0: Which is really interesting because you don't see that in a lot of business shows. Like you, you would almost expect every single show. Oh, he turns this business into a fantastic multi-billion dollar business. Some businesses actually, it doesn't work out for him afterwards. And he talks about that on the, episode you're about to listen to but the 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 season three is launching i think on the day we're going to release this podcast so i encourage everyone to listen to this episode see how he does the show and then watch the show we're
1: definitely going to be watching
0: because our i know for our kids we want we have them watch the show just for educational purposes just to see how this guy deals with people deals with process deals with product to improve a business is very valuable information. It's like th- these two seasons that he's done so far, and now this is the beginning of the third season, this has been almost like an NBA for me, and I've been involved in probably 50 businesses.
1: They take a long time to shoot, too, because it's just the process of what happens in the show, and then, you know, these things don't happen overnight. I mean, you have, sometimes you have to wait to see if a process works.
0: Well, and it's interesting to see how he describes some of the follow-ups uh, in the podcast that occur. So without any further ado, uh, this is Lemanis. Marcus Lemanis. Thank you. Hey
2: James, how are you?
0: Good, good. Thanks for agreeing to do this call on this podcast. I really appreciate it.
2: Of, of course, of course.
0: So uh are you excited for your your the upcoming new season?
2: I am, but I'm trying to balance that with everything else going on in my life. It's uh you know, we're in the middle of still shooting the show. And the business that I that I bought about a month ago, Crumbs, reopened Tuesday as well. And so it's a little it's a little uh, a little intense right now.
0: So so let me just tell you, crumbs changed my life. Like I lived on Wall Street and there's like there was a crumbs right around the corner. My wife and I would go there every single day. I probably gained twenty pounds, but it was like an innovation in cupcake technology.
2: Yeah. What, why did they go out of business? You know, a number of reasons, to be honest with you. One is they, they really got too singularly focused. While a cupcake's a great thing, in order for a business to make it under a real fixed cost structure, you need to have high repetition of visits, right? You need high frequency. And so a traditional bake shop will have more than just a singular item. It could have an iconic kind of marquee item, but it can't. you can't just make it on that. And so uh, I think at the end of the day, what we've done is we've really changed up the menu. We've stuck with our core items, but we've built an infrastructure that allows for breakfast items and lunch items. And, you know, we have a new product called the byzant, which is a combination of a bagel and a croissant. And uh, you just have to have more because not everybody likes cupcakes. You All know, right. Gotta, you got to realize that.
0: I like the bagel croissant idea. I'm going to I'm going to try that out. You're opening up Tuesday. I'm going to try it.
2: We open in the garment district. First one is uh, in the government District,
0: and um this is not part of the profit TV show, right? This is just on your own you're doing this it's
2: it's see, it's kind of funny. The lines are very blurry. My, my real life and my TV life were kind of the same. Uh, it's not going to be featured as an episode, but the process to do the deal was pretty similar. So uh, no, it's not
0: part of the show. Well, well, okay. Let's talk about that because on the show you you talk about the three P's. Uh, you know, right. so people, process, product. What and and with every single business, it's amazing. And this is where I think every entrepreneur and business owner, and even employee, and even my kids, they start watching your show. And, and they start thinking to themselves, what's Marcus going to look at the people? What's he going to do with the process? What's he going to do with the product? So what did you do here with Crumbs? With, with and, and I promise I'll relate this back to the show, but yeah. w- was it a people thing? Was it a process thing? What was going on? Well, it's, it's always
2: a people thing for me because ultimately people make the decisions that either make the business or they break the business. And so In this instance, you, know, you had a company that was Really riddled with uh, super high overhead, uh, a corporate office in New York City with a $25,000 rent factor, an executive chef that's making $150,000 a year, and layers and layers of management. Well, that all really goes down to, boils down to people. Some, one individual thought it was a good idea to do that, and they layered the company into really a cost structure that it couldn't afford. Additionally, when it came down to the product, um, in my opinion, it became too one-dimensional. There just really wasn't enough of an offering to allow customers to come back on a more repetitive basis. And you needed to have things that were unique, and so whether it's the crumb nut or this new product, the Byzant, or uh, uh, ice cream with cupcakes uh, inside of it, th- there are multiple products that really are going to serve multiple people. Okay, and but that, like... As it, as it relates... Yeah? Oh,
0: I just want to contrast that, though, with the key lime pie business... That uh, that you bought uh, or yep. you, you know you invested in, you focus them in on one product. You got rid of all the other products.
2: I did. I got rid of all their boxed products that they didn't make. And so there's two two kind of steps to that. Number one, I had them get rid of everything that wasn't really authentic to the business. They were out basically buying boxed cookies and boxed candy and and things that basically came from a factory as opposed to fresh made. Uh, Number two, uh, Crumbs, uh, uh, Key West, the Key Lime Pie episode It's kind of ironic because I had this in the works, but it wasn't done in time. That's actually actually transitioning to Crumbs of Key West. And so while pies will be the marquee product there, there'll be a lot more there than just pies.
0: Well, what's interesting is, and I've noticed this throughout the two seasons, is you're very good at... Taking these businesses and seeing if they work with other businesses that you either partner with or own. So, for instance, take Mr. Green Tea from from the first season. I understand you're right. you're doing something with them in crumbs.
2: So we're mass marketing a pint of ice cream across the country. They're going to be making in this new factory that I built for them three flavors: a red velvet, a key lime ice cream. Ironically enough. Uh, uh four flavors actually a, a double fudge chocolate and an apple crumble kind of product and so it'll all be branded crumbs ice cream uh but they're the, they're the manufacturer for it and they'll obviously uh, reap the benefits of it
0: and I, I, you know, also uh, like with EcoMe, you were bringing them into ca- the Camping World stores. So you, mm-hmm. you, you've you've had this you you've had this opportunity to leverage this enormous platform you have with you know you're the CEO and chairman of of Camping World. You've leveraged this enormous platform to to, to work partnerships out with some of the companies that you invest in. Is this? Do you know that in advance, like before you invest in a company, that you're going to potentially work out these partnerships? Does that help your decision making? I
2: I really decide that I like a space, an industry, and I decide to really go after it and look for things that I can parlay on top of them. Crumbs was, no pun intended, kind of the icing on the cake. It really gave me the ability— to leverage a brand and, and and find distribution and use the other businesses, and whether that was sweet peach candy or the key lime pie, which will be sold at all the crumbs, or developing ice cream is one thing. When you look at the season that's about to start next Tuesday, the first episode is a clothing company. And so that should give people a little bit of insight that I'm going to go heavy into the clothing industry now, and whether that's women's apparel or whether that's uh, men's accessories. I'm going to start to build... Kind of a stacked, uh, a stacked empire uh, on clothing and accessories and and things that kind of uh, allow for that. I may end up doing a product next year and the next in another season that is a singular product, but I can now use this new business that I bought as a form of distribution. And so there's always a bit of a method to it, but I have to be honest, it, it doesn't always work out. I sometimes, you know, I sometimes. Chase something and it doesn't it doesn't pan out and you know, that's part of doing
0: business. Sure, that's part that's part of investing. Although it does seem that you have a very simple mental model that you use when you walk into a business. You're going to look at the people, process, product, and by looking at right. that, I like how you. Um. So so with the people, it's very interesting because sometimes you'll be very harsh, like okay, these people are not necessary. These people need to improve. But you 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 then um. Taper that a little bit, whether or temper that with, you know, you 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 kind of have a gentle touch with them as well. Like, how's your process there when you're dealing with people?
2: Well, you know, you try to be yourself. I mean, that's really for me all my life. It's worked. Um, even people that I've had to let go of in the past, I still maintain a relationship with, because there's a difference between being very forceful and very matter of fact and very assertive, but being compassionate and being a good listener and being understanding. And you can, in my opinion, you can be sympathetic and you can be compassionate while delivering a very tough message. Sometimes people don't listen uh, and you have to be a little more direct or sometimes people uh, mislead you or they're dishonest or they lie. And the the directness turns into, you know, it turns into frustration and anger. And I'm not always a cool customer. Sometimes I get upset.
0: Well, it's interesting, though, like many people who want to buy businesses, they often Think okay, I want to buy a laundromat, and they buy the best laundromat in the city, and then they're stuck because it's harder to improve. You, what I've noticed in your businesses that you that you've invested in, and there's, there's about fourteen at least from the first two seasons, is that you're definitely using kind of the the three Ds. Like someone died, or there was a, a, a too much debt, or there was a divorce, or there was some reason why this business is no longer working. Um, you know which which. Ultimately is another mental model, but it fits your 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 mental model of saying, okay, something's gone wrong and now I have this opportunity because there's something to fix. And it's usually the people that have gone wrong.
2: You know, and if you added another D to it, it's delay. And so not every business that I work on is totally broken for financial reasons. Sometimes they're broken because they have analysis paralysis or they they move too slow and they can't make decisions or they've reached a level of success and they just can't go any higher because they are scared to think out of the box or they're scared to take a chance. And, you know, if you look at businesses that aren't successful, it isn't always about money. It isn't always about process. It isn't always about the product. It's always 100% of the time about people. And whether they're unwilling to take a chance or they're unwilling to make a hard decision or they're unwilling to make the changes necessary, it really boils down to the person, the people's ability to change their process or change their product. And it's uh, it sounds simple, but I have to be honest, James, it, it is as simple as it sounds. You could look at any business that way, and I have a lot of really young fans like you know, eleven, twelve, thirteen-year-olds who who write notes and they're like, "This is so much easier when I think about it this way." It's
0: it's, it's really easier. true. My twelve-year-old is your is your biggest fan.
2: That's awesome. So
0: That's so, kind of awesome. but but it's really true. Like this analysis uh, paralysis. Like it, you, season one, the first episode, "Car Cash," though the two brothers really couldn't make decisions together.
2: They couldn't, and you know what I think happened to them candidly is that they lost their father, who really was the driving force in that situation. The father had not really mentored them or coached them on how to run a business. He unexpectedly passes away, and these two kids who can't get along as well with each other are now tasked with running a multi-million dollar business. They don't know what to do. And so it, it, it really not only puts the business in peril, but it further, you know, it further constrains their relationship and makes it very tough.
0: You know, and, and, and again, that's also what creates the opportunity for you. Otherwise, they would have just been running their business profitably.
2: Yeah. You know what? I think for me, um, I did an article. I did an interview in Inc. Magazine for the month of October. And, you know, I, I spent a lot of time talking about, you could talk a lot about business and numbers and formulas, uh, which is kind of boring, to be honest with you. What's really interesting it, is, it what's really interesting in it for me is, What is it that makes people tick? What motivates them? Um, And one of the worst things that somebody could tell me in business is that what motivates them is just, I want to be a millionaire. I want to have a big house. I want to have a big boat. I want to have a big car. What I'm looking for people to tell me is that they have a passion for it. They love employing people. They love talking to customers. And if you do all those things and you do them right, the, making money is going to become a byproduct of it, and it shouldn't be your sole motivation. If it is, and you make decisions solely on money, then you're going to be letting good employees go during the downturn. You're going to be you know, cheating customers out of situations. I want you to be focused on money, and I want you to uh, operate at the highest level of performance. But I also want you to remember that there's a human side to business, both on the employee and the customer side.
0: So l- let's take as an example, though, like and I'll, I'll play slight devil's advocate uh, yeah. c- season two, episode three, Michael Cena's prophet. This is a guy mm-hmm. who had a, a very particular passion about his style of how people should train. And you made it a much mm-hmm. more uh you you basically took advantage of the square footage you know b- built out built out the square footage and made it a much more general uh physical training gym
2: well what I didn't do James just let's just clarify this I didn't get rid of his core training product I reallocated the space so that he could still do that but I wanted to add other things like yoga and spin and and those kinds of things and so it was really saying to him look much like crumbs You can't be one dimensional. You can't do it. And so what difference profit is actually the closest correlation to crumbs as I could think of. You had one product. It was very one dimensional. It had a fixed cost structure. And if you didn't want that, you couldn't go there. And so if you didn't want a cupcake, you wouldn't go to crumbs. If you didn't want, you know, if you wanted to to, to go spinning, uh, you couldn't go to ProFit if you wanted to, to buy a bagel. You couldn't go to Crumbs. And so, at the end of the day, it, what had bothered me about Michael was his passion to be one-dimensional. I didn't change his workout. I just changed the way we used the space.
0: I see. So, so you built out a bigger space essentially, and you made more you made more effective use per square foot by putting by taking unused yeah. space and putting a treadmill there.
2: And by the way, now his spin studio packed for every class. His yoga studio sold out for every class. And so, yes, it was a cataclysmic paradigm shift for him. Huge. I mean, you saw him. He didn't want to change about anything. He'll tell you... You brought him him to tears, Marcus. What's that?
0: You, You brought him to tears.
2: I know. I know, but it's hard. You have to. You have to really break people down at their core, and you have to get inside of them. And what I really realized about Michael was that it was his pride that didn't want to change it wasn't the business logic it was his pride
0: well you know and and similar with athens motors the guy did not want to change the name right but you you pride. you 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 were very firm on like this has to be you know more acceptable to the mass public
2: well look at this i mean in the case of athens motors Well, you know, you have Pete Athens was the guy's name. He puts his name on the building. And I like businesses that I could scale. I now have six auto matches open across the country. In fact, the next one, the newest one, has its grand opening in Fort Myers, Florida on Monday. Athens Motors, while great as a local brand, doesn't translate nationally. It just doesn't. And so I think what Pete had to realize, was it wasn't just about that location. It was about building a big, big business. You know, it, you, know you, you think about car cash. It had a very kind of trans, transferable and scalable name. There's now car cashes all over the country. It's not like it was John and Andrew's car buying service. You know, it, it, you just have to make it a little bit more relatable to people. And when you personalize it, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work.
0: You know, um, the car cash one was very interesting because it took me a while to figure out what the actual deal was. And I think you were still probably trying to figure out the structure of the show. But you essentially Mm -hmm. bought 100% of the business and then licensed back to them whatever locations they would open up while you would also open up locations.
2: You got it. That was exactly the deal. And I don't think I was as clear back then because, you know, it was a little bit new. I, I was doing deals in my normal fashion and one of the things that I've learned on the show is that I have to be far more deliberate and I have to be far more um, clear about what the transaction is because I move fast and my mind moves fast. And it's been a great exercise for me to learn to slow down and clearly explain exactly what the transaction is and why it is that way. Well, been, and, and, you know, Listen, I've learned a ton.
0: I like how you do it now with you gather all the employees so it's not just kind of uh, data on the screen or a talking head. You, you gather all the employees together and you explain the deal carefully. So this way everybody's aware. The, it, it looks like you're talking to the employees, but you're also talking to the entire audience and you explain the deal carefully.
2: Right exactly
0: your deals have exactly. also gotten a little simpler you're instead of staying okay i'm licensing this amount of profits for, and i'm gonna have control for one week you're basically buying 51 percent of the business for x dollars in most cases now yeah
2: i think you'll like that season that's starting on tuesday because the deals uh they're a little simpler but they're also different in in some cases i'm i'm buying other business in other cases i'm buying assets In other cases i'm a lender And so I've had to become um, far more kind of um, flexible because the needs of applicants or the needs of a particular business, they're not all the same. Not everybody needs an equity partner. And there are some people that I don't want to be partners with them. I don't want to be in business with them, but I may be willing to buy an asset or lend them money under certain kind of constraints. And, and I think that's what's nice about it is that I'm always going to write my check. It's always going to be my money. I'm always going to have risk. That risk just takes on different forms.
0: So now let, let I want to rewind a second just to kind of set the the basis of how this show got started. Like you kind of came up from, you know, I don't want to say exactly nothing, but you you were working in a car dealership, right? At, at, at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And how did this all get started?
2: You know what? I, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. I, I was born in Beirut, Lebanon. I lived in an orphanage. I was adopted by an American family in Miami, Florida. My, my family had been in the car business for years. And um, uh, while my, my extended family had been very successful, my immediate family, my mother and my father, you know, they're blue-collar people. And uh, we lived a very simple life. My parents were very strict. They still are strict. You know, my dad's very strict, very strict, very focused on work ethic, very focused on transparency. But my mother was always very encouraging to me to to be aggressive. And so, you know, I spent I went to college at Marquette in Milwaukee. I got out of uh, school, went down to Miami, went and worked in our family's business, decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Went and ran for office, lost, went to work for a guy by the name of Wayne Heisinger, Um, Went to work for a guy by the name of Wayne Heisinger, and you know had some success there at Auto Nation, and then decided to get into the RV business. And all of the blessings that I have today, and you know, whatever I've achieved, is really all um, you know stuff that's that's really happened in the last 10 to 15 years, and um, been very fortunate and very blessed. But I always tell people nobody nobody gave me anything. I wasn't handed. I didn't inherit. I didn't inherit a business. Um, well, what was you what, very real and authentic.
0: What did you learn from Wayne... I don't know how to say his last name. Heisinga. Wayne Heisinger. Yeah, because uh, clearly, uh, you know, he's AutoNation, Waste Management.
2: Always be, always be straight with people. So always be straight with people. Good news, bad news, no matter what, always be straight with people without, without fail. He's just very good at it. He was just... And you didn't always like what you heard, but it was always real. It was always straight up. It was just good, 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 solid, um, uh, I would say, leading by example that he, he provided.
0: And then you went from that to Camping World.
2: Mm-hmm. And so in 2003, I started building up um, this this business that we know of today called Camping World. And Camping World was actually a, a very small uh, business started in Bowling Green, Kentucky in 1966, um, and, um, merged it with another business and then started rolling up other businesses. And today what Camping World is, is it's a, it's a three, three, three plus billion dollar business with 125 locations around the country. And we do everything from put on shows to publish magazines, to sell RVs, to fix them, to sell insurance. If you are in the RV lifestyle, there's truly a kind of a. It's probably the best example of vertical integration that you can think of. It's just really everything you can think of.
0: Have you thought um, about? It's been, uh, it's been good for me. Have you thought about taking it public?
2: You know, I've thought about it. I, I've, I've, you know, people ask me all the time if they can invest in deals that I'm in, and I've thought about it. And I don't know what I want to do. Ultimately, you know, I've, we have. Uh, uh, the team and I have uh, almost 6,500 employees and and 4 million customers. And, um, it, you know, as much fun as I have making the show, as much as I love buying these small businesses, as much as I love starting new ones, I, you know, my camping world business is, that's my child. That's, that's, I mean, I, I, at, at, at the, you know, at the risk of sounding totally corny, it is the most important thing in my life um, because I feel like I built it, you know, from the bottom up, and and the people that I work with are those are my it's my family. I don't have brothers and sisters, and I don't have kids. I have Camping World.
0: So now, <laughs> so so you so you have it. Camping World, and then you decided to basically I don't know if you approached CNBC or they approached you, but now you're pr- shooting a TV show is hard work, as you know. <laughs> Like you basically uh, took on an incredibly difficult full time job on top of Camping World.
2: Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's um, it's I'm not gonna lie to you, it's tough, and um. Did you, know, you regret it at the, first? Doing the show. Yeah. No, I didn't regret it. I mean, I needed to learn more about myself. I needed to learn more about other people, and you know, I think that selfishly the best part of the show for me is that I've learned a lot. You know, I, I, yes, I'm, I'm working hard at teaching people, but I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about um, other people and other people's ideas and different sorts of businesses. And so I feel like I'm getting a master's degree, uh, an expensive one, by the way, but a master's degree and I'm making new friends and I'm meeting new people and I'm expanding my horizons. But with all that being said, it comes at a cost, you know. I don't really have, uh, uh, you know, much time for myself, and it's either, you know, making the show, and everybody forgets that when the show's over, I still have to, I still have to work with everybody. These these businesses are now. This isn't Shark Tank where you you know you make a show and and uh, that you know the episode's over, and sometimes they spend time with them, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, I, you're invested these, in a dozen different businesses.
0: companies now.
2: More than a dozen because I do, I do lots of deals outside of, of the show. Right. And so there's, I've filmed 24 episodes so far. Um, and I have investments in 14 businesses just from the 24 plus another, you know, I, I mean, I have an investment or a lender or an active participant in over a hundred businesses. At some point your head pops off as you can imagine, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work forever.
0: I mean, after a day of shooting, do you ever feel kind of burnt out? Because then you're gonna have problems at Camping World or whatever.
2: Yeah, Camping World obviously gets the, the the priority time of my day. But for example, yesterday I was in South Carolina. We filmed from eight to uh, eight to eight in the morning till eight thirty at night. We drove to the airport. We got on a plane. We flew to Pittsburgh. You know, twelve forty five a.m. I'm getting to my hotel room in Pittsburgh up this morning at eight o'clock to shoot a different episode, three hours of calls this morning on Camping World. And so you you do, you know, when you get to your hotel room and there's nobody around and there's, you know, there's nobody there to talk to, you do get reflective and you think to yourself, you know, holy cow, this is like, this is a bit much.
0: It's so bit much. so, so in, it must also be frustrating. So in, in season one, episode two, uh, a great episode from a TV perspective, but maybe not as pleasant for you, Jacob Morris Florists. That must have been incredibly painful. You give them so so. I I think maybe the listeners should understand. You kind of it seems to me you write a check on the spot to these people. I
2: do, I do, and, and is there I, is there I no paperwork place in place?
0: That. Like what
2: if there's they just always, well? There's always there's always paperwork that follows. But when I hand them the check, there's there's a handshake and there's an understanding. And so in most cases, they don't deposit the check until we have our paperwork right. You know, they want to be, you get these really smart business people that that are smart enough not to, you know, not to to be silly about it. But I hand them a check and it's my check. And, um, you know, you get these people that I think just, there's different types of people in the world. You've met them. Everybody that listens to your shows has met different types of people. There are the honorable people who always do the right thing, sometimes at their own peril. And there are the people who don't do the right thing. And the unfortunate part of our show is that it's not scripted. And I laugh when I say that. It's not scripted because if it was, I would never let somebody screw me. I mean, who would write a script that would make you look stupid? Um, and so it's, uh, it's tough, but, I will not change my formula. I will not stop shaking hands with people and saying that's the deal that we're doing and because if you can't trust them early early on how how are you going to trust them later? Well,
0: I mean, you know you to find
2: a, out you gotta you gotta test people.
0: It's an interesting thing too, because it's sort of this um you know technique of uh influence, this law of reciprocity if you're trusting them uh before the even the legal paperwork's done. You're kind of uh, expecting a lot from them in return, and they're going to feel obliged to give you what you want in return uh, in most cases.
2: Um, Yes and no. Uh, You know, there's interesting people that are in terrible peril. uh, The minute they get that check, they have this wild case of amnesia that sets in because the, uh, the, the immediate burden or the immediate stress or the immediate kind of risk that they felt Twenty minutes before that seems to get immediately solved. The, the 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 crew on my show likes to call it the Marcus fairy dust. And the minute you give them the check, it's like a, the fairy dust. Sometimes though, sometimes unfortunately, it happens more than I'd like. People get the money, and then they all the things they agreed to, they don't they don't want to agree to them anymore. They're like, well, you know, I changed my mind, or I didn't I didn't like what happened, or you know, that's not the deal he made or whatever it may be. And that's, it gets very tough when that happens.
0: So, so let's take Jacob Morris as an example. You wrote, I forget the size of the check. I think it was a hundred thousand dollars, a
2: hundred thousand, a hundred thousand.
0: Yep, and he cashed the check. And then did he just say, Oh no, it's not your money anymore. Well, in that
2: case, you know, I spent over a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And if you recall in a car ride, I asked him, "How much money do you think I've spent here?" And he said, "Oh, you spent way over a hundred, like 150." Right. Um, And I said, "Yeah, I did that because I believe in what we're doing here, and my original estimate was a little off, so I spent more. But I'm doing that because I, you know, I like what I'm seeing. And then, as you saw at the end, he said, "No, you didn't spend any money." It's like, "Well, what do you mean? You just told me like two days before that I did." And so, it uh, the lesson that I hope. The, really, the, 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 thing, the single biggest thing that I hope happens from the show is that our youth today, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, high school kids, early college kids, should really, really learn that business isn't just about making money. It's a lot about character. It's a lot about integrity. It's a lot about doing what you say you're going to do without hesitation. And I'm finding that we don't have enough of that in this country. There's not enough discussion about it.
0: I think also in, in almost every one of your cases, it's a lot of it is taking the ego out of the business transaction as well. So a lot of like, like right. Worldwide Trailers was a great example where they, the couple or the ex-couple, they had all these ego issues which prevented them from running the company. Like... You had no idea, no idea. Nobody had any idea where the money was.
2: Yeah. You find that in a lot of companies. And it's funny. The first day that I get there to most of these episodes, especially after season one, the business owners will say to me, I want you to know I've seen every show. I know, I know what you're going to ask me. I'm very prepared. You know, I'm not going to look stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do all these things. And then 10 minutes later, I ask them about their numbers, and they don't know them. It's like well, like you said, you saw my show. You knew I was going to ask about the numbers. I always tell people if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Twenty minutes later, I ask you about your numbers, and you didn't. You didn't. Like what happened? What would you like? Where'd you go?
0: Well, it's funny because so, even even in maybe. season two every single episode, I think there were ego issues like, you know, again, the example of Athens motors, the guy had the ego. He he didn't want to change the name to auto match or the worldwide trailers. They didn't want to be honest with you about their relationship.
2: Here's what's crazy. I think this is maybe the craziest thing. And, you know, we're going to do a whole episode. That's a follow up on every business. Not that we won't see everyone, but you'll see the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's good. The, the, couple of businesses that i went to that i did not make a deal whether i got hosed or whether i decided to walk out in almost every case they still communicate with me today in the case of the trailer episode they made all of the changes that i told them they sent me a video they made all the changes they moved the business to way across. they put the inventory system in their business is doing great and they wrote me a note they're like you were right in the po- in the case of popcorn she made all of the changes that she needed to. And now she's asking me to come back to maybe do a deal with her now that she's made all these changes and she's willing to change. And w- so would you do that? You can have an impact. I mean, I'll go there and talk to her about it. Sure. But the fact that the fact that you can impact people that you do a deal with, but you could also impact people that you don't do a deal with. I think it's, it's for me, that's very rewarding.
0: So describe how you look at um, process and product. It it almost seems mathematical. Like you're taking the square footage. You're figuring out how many dollars per square foot.
2: You know what? I would like to tell you that it's mathematical. Uh, There's a certain math to it, but I use a lot of my instinct. I have to be honest with you. I really, really try to look at it, you know, as logically as I can. And I look at it in the case of a consumer What does a consumer think when they walk in? What does a consumer think when they touch this product? How do we make the process easier for them? And I try to use the most basic of logic. Sure, everything revolves around math. There's a 1,000 square feet. I want to make sure that I put the product in the right place with the right layout so that I can maximize every square inch of the place. If the product isn't made right, I want to make it the right way so that I can feel proud about what I'm selling and hold my head high and put my name on it. And so it, it really is so simple and so dumbed down that if you look at it always from a consumer standpoint, it it really isn't that difficult to fix. It's not. Yeah. Like I, I it look at money. T- it takes money, James, but it takes money. And so everything takes money. And that's, that's the one thing is that it, it definitely takes money to have change, whether you're, changing the way things are built or you're re-engineering something or you're advertising something or you're relaying, designing something. It, that's the one handicap is that it takes money, but I'll tell people, what changes to people, process and product could you make that don't take any money? You, you could clean your place. You could organize it. You could train your people. You could hire better people. You can let go of the troublemakers, right? There's things you could do that don't take money.
0: Like like I feel like, for instance, in the amazing grapes, uh, one, that was a wine store, where you totally Mm transformed the store. And even though there was an expense in making the store look really nice, you could probably a lot of those changes could have been done cheaply just by analyzing what was making money and what wasn't making money.
2: Right. But I have to own that business after. And so this isn't a business makeover show like a restaurant show or a bar show where they come in and they change the carpeting and they change the paint and they do just enough to make it look different. I literally have to own the business after. And so I don't want to be one of those people that get caught in doing some half-assed half half-ass kind of effort. I want to be proud of it. I want the employees to be proud of it. I want the customers to want to go there. Yeah, did I probably spend more than I needed to? Of course. But I want it to be right. So I don't feel bad about it.
0: So this is a case where the, where the company was in a lot of debt, the owners were sort of almost absentee owners. They were barely there, but you kind of uncovered the staff that really knew what they were doing, and you wrote a big check. It was, it was yeah, also your it was. most popular episode of the season.
2: I think it was. I, I think it was the most popular, and I think, what, I think what viewers really liked is viewers always love physical transformation, right? They always want to see some sort of makeover. But, the, the tweet, the tweets and the Facebook posts and the notes that I got were really more around how I rallied around the employees and not the owner. A lot of people can relate to, oh, my owner doesn't come and my owner doesn't care. And, you know, it needs to really also be about making the employees more successful. It's not always about making, you know, somebody applies for a business, their business is failing, I put money in and they become millionaires. That's just not that's not the show that I'm making. I'm making a show that we fix we fix the business, and the employee should benefit just the same, right? They should benefit as well.
0: Well, who who are the owners who have benefited the most now from the from from you uh, being an investor?
2: I would say that the green tea people would be right at the top, right up there at the top. I would say John and Andrew from Car Cash would definitely be up there because they were, you know, they were literally going out of business. Um, I would say uh, Pete and Allison from Sweet Pete's, Um, you know, they were in a very toxic situation that was very bad. So I'd say they've benefited pretty significantly, the employees at Amazing Grapes, not necessarily the owners. Case of Athens Motors, Pete Athens no longer works there and still is my partner in that location. But he was unwilling, and you'll hear it in the follow-up, he was unwilling to – you know, follow. If you remember, he didn't know the car business and I brought in a general manager at the end to teach him and he was unwilling to listen and so he was unwilling, I was unwilling to keep him.
0: It it seemed like in that uh, episode, like he had a particular passion for for the cars he loved, but he wasn't really interested in being in the kind of general car business.
2: You mean like in the everyman business? Right. Right. (laughs) In the everyman business. He, He wanted to sell cars that you know, his friends drove and that he wanted to drive and that he, I think it really was driven by ego. In hindsight, if you asked him now, he would say to you, yeah, I didn't do it the right way. Um, I'm seeing what a a difference this makes, and I was wrong, and I have a great relationship with him. He's really, um, I think, had a good dose of reality about the whole thing, but I think even more than that, um, he, he realizes that it's not you know, it's not as it's not as uh, difficult
0: as um, that it needed to be. So, so now, um, obviously, you're you're running Camping World. You've got the show coming up. So you you mentioned there's there's going to be new things with the, the, in this next season. You're going, getting into clothing, which you'd never done before. I don't think uh, in in the prior two nope. seasons. Um, what nope. what got you interested in that? And by the way, you always wear these like you know. Very bright sweaters, so you definitely have an interesting yeah. clothing You
2: know what I really I've uh, always had an affinity for for apparel I, I you know fashion is kind of an important to me, but I've never never been in the business and I've always wanted to But it's a very it's a very lucrative business, and it's a very dangerous business And so I wanted to partner with the people that I felt had the right infrastructure And so you'll see that in episode one that the family that I'm working with a French family Um, had the right infrastructure and had the right ideas, but just got off track. And so big product transformation, big, maybe the biggest I've had, because I've changed, I literally got rid of everything they had and a big store transformation. And so it's, and big people transformation. And so uh, it's probably, you know, one of, one of my favorites. Um, I think people will really like it. The one that's going to air this, this coming Tuesday. And, uh, And it's a nice platform for other things to come. And, you know, it's funny. Food can't be everything. Clothing can't be everything. Cars can't be everything. But I also like to invest in businesses that are relatable and that, you know, they don't come and go with with the economy. Everybody's going to need to drive a car and they're always going to need to eat. They're always going to need to get their hair cut and they're always going to need to wear clothes. And so if, if you think about it that way, it, it keeps it much simpler you know? well, well it it's simpler.
0: interesting also because so you so you you get into these businesses that are are not economy dependent but you also get into businesses that because of their problems they essentially can be valued at zero so you could so you could write your deal so your deal basically is to keep everybody incentivized but also to put in enough money where you have skin in the game but it's enough that they can make the transformation they need to make
2: right. Right. In most cases, the money that I put in either physically transforms the place, it keeps the bank from taking the business, or it puts cash in the bank. It's really essentially why money has to go in. And my offer is usually based on what I think the business actually needs to to get out of the woods. Uh, That's that's always the key. And, um, you know, sometimes I end up spending more than than my original negotiated offer. Um, and people ask me all the time, if you end up spending more, do you recut the deal? Do you, do, you, do you go back and renegotiate? And my answer is no, I don't, because I had my chance to make the deal, and I shook somebody else's hand. And if I miscalculated it or I decided to do more, why is that their fault? Well, well, also- it's, not, it's not great, but it's, it is what it is.
0: But but I think also, in many of these cases, the deals are so great for for you and for them. I mean, it's it's a win-win that if the company does well and and meets the projections you want and then it's valued yeah. just on a multiple of earnings, I think in every single case, you're you're going to make an enormous amount of money.
2: yeah, I mean, it does, it, it, I would say that's most of the case. like in the case of Key lime, I would say that that's been I would say that's been my most expensive worst return deal because i I after after the deal, uh a number of things came out of the woodworks um that made the deal far more expensive. And so my return got really bad really fast. Um and that's that's life. You know then and so the only way I can recoup that, the only way I can leverage that is I, I felt like when I did crumbs that was my one shot at at, you know, kind of having a chance to get some of it back.
0: I see um, so, so crumbs Absorbed, absorbed it now. Like, is that how you uh, restructure it? Or? Well,
2: crumbs gives me, yeah, crumbs gives me the platform to take the pie and the pie bars and the other products and do something with it. It really gives it an opportunity.
0: It's really you know, it great it when you chance. have the leverage of multiple companies to kind of do these deals. Again, like how you brought EcoMe into into Camping World and so on.
2: Yeah, it makes a difference. It makes a difference, but you have to also be careful because. You don't ever want to force things into businesses that don't belong. You don't want to be, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, I'm not going to start selling, uh, you know, clothes at at a candy store. Um, You're not going to sell candy at a car dealership. And so you just have to you have to govern yourself appropriately that as you start collecting a holding company of businesses that that integration is is okay when it really makes sense, but it doesn't always make sense you don't, you know, it doesn't doesn't always work.
0: So, so, so you get something like 40,000 requests for help from companies, I don't know, per month or so, there's some, some no, outrageous number of emails show, you I've get. About
2: 40,000. Yes. Since we started the show, we've had about 40,000 applications and, and, uh, um, you know, obviously the network is very involved in that process and very helpful. And, we do background checks on people and it's got to be something that I'm interested in or it's got to be a business that I think a viewer could relate to or something that I want to learn. And so, sometimes I get into businesses that I know nothing about and it's a challenge for me to see, okay, you keep saying your three Ps work in every business, prove it to me. I'm literally talking to myself, <laughs> right? Prove it to me that it works. And so I like to put that theory to the test because you want to have somewhat of a bulletproof theory of people you know, start challenging you on it. And so, um, so far it hasn't failed, but I, I do realize that I sometimes try too hard to fix the people and sometimes people just, it is not fixable.
0: Well, well, before you even know the people though, what are the basic metrics you use to decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make a deal in this business.
2: Well, I usually go into every business thinking I'm going to make a deal, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go if I didn't think I wanted to make but, a deal. But right? even, even, even deciding to
0: go, like what makes you decide to visit? Like what, what, what do you see that makes well, you decide to the, visit?
2: The, the product has to be relatable and I have to believe to a certain degree that I can extract some scalability out of it. I can do something with it. I could launch a new product. I could take one of their existing products. I can open up multiple locations. If I don't feel like I can get some scale out of it, I usually don't go. Um, but the caveat to that is if I really, really love the people, like and i I see a you know we do a little Skype video with them before I go, and if I love the story, sometimes story and 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 heart uh, trumps economics for me. I'll go do a deal because I just like them doesn't mean it's going to be a bad business deal. It will always be a good business deal. But just because I can't scale it isn't an absolute that I won't go do it. It's not an absolute. But it's typically the rule that if you look at whether it's cars or ice cream and manufacturing or distribution or candy or clothing or whatever it may be, there's a, there's a scalability to it. Um, so, so but there's one this coming season that, that isn't really – people would argue that it's scalable – uh, they would want me to scale it, but it's 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 so fantastic and it's so unique that it it just needs to be what it is and nothing more.
0: What do they do? Uh,
2: it's a uh, uh, they're in the barbecue business and they're in the barbecue business in a little town in South Carolina. Uh, they're open uh, three days a week for four hours a day and they do almost two million dollars a year.
0: Wow. And why did they why yeah. did they need you? Like, What was what was the problem that was ha- happening? James,
2: you have to watch the show. I can't <laughs> tell you that. I have to watch it. I can't tell you. No, now you've I, got I me all we're gonna hyped probably up. Air that. We're going to probably air that probably for the week of Thanksgiving because it, it's just got a lot of heart and a lot of love and a lot of family in it. And uh, you know, every episode doesn't have to have crazy people. <laughs> it just doesn't. It like, gets exhausting for me, too. Like I almost say to myself, like, how did we not know these people were going to be nuts before we came here? How did we not know that? Sometimes you just don't know it until you get there.
0: Well, it's funny because obviously it's edited after you're there and and after you know what's going to happen. And so so it's sort of like in retrospect, the viewer could see, oh, that guy at Jacob Morris was going to do this. But you really had no clue what was going to happen at the very beginning, that he was going to kind of just hold on to the money. but, But
2: at the very beginning of the episode, you didn't know either.
0: Yeah, that's true. Although, you know, you the way know. they edit it, you kind of see like sly looks out of them or, you know, like on the Jacob Morrison one, you emphasize we shook our hands, right? Like that's kind of the only time you, you've done that.
2: That is that ironically enough. Ironically enough, I said something to him about it. And if you remember, I said to his mom, do we have you do I have your word? And she said, yes. And he hesitated, right? He hesitated and I've never had anybody hesitate. And so that's why, that's why I said, once I shook his hand, I wanted to remind him. honest to gosh, I would have never started spending money. I would have never started doing anything if I thought he would have done that. And so when, when the viewer saw him tell me that he wasn't going to honor the deal, is exactly the time that I found out, and you saw how upset I got. I was like, "What?"
0: Yeah, I thought you were oh, going to hit him. I
2: thought I was going to hit him too. I really did. I really thought I was going to hit him. Um, we, but, we 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 were know, very upset
0: in my house.
2: Yeah, because you were like, "How could that guy do that?" Uh, but listen, there's all. It's good for kids. There's all sorts of people in the world, right? All sorts of people. So, and, so- um, and I, th- I think you still have to. You still have to trust everybody. You have to hope for the best and plan for the worst.
0: So, so you've done three seasons. I don't know. Maybe you've shot already part of a fourth season. How long is this going to go on? Because you're a busy guy. You've got to you've got to move yeah. on with your life at some point.
2: So, James, one of the things that people don't realize is that the the, the space between filming to airing is very short. The show that's going to air uh, on Tuesday night is coming Tuesday night, October fourteenth. Actually finished filming October second. Wow. And the show that I'm filming in Pittsburgh right now, which which reminds me, they're waiting for me. It's that show will air like in November, and so, you know, people always ask me how's it going. I'm like, it's good. I was just there, you know. And so it's it's the follow ups are more exciting for me than they are for anybody because it, it takes time for these things to develop. It takes time for. Personalities to come out, and the good, the bad, and the ugly to finally show up. Doesn't right, it's h- it, right away.
0: It's hard to kind of film a whole episode because these are these could be years long works in progress.
2: Well, that's why the follow-ups really matter, right? Because they they are all works in progress. We, Not, you know, it's, we spend nine days filming. We figure it's almost sixty hours of footage, and what you get as a viewer is forty four minutes.
0: And right now. What is your best, which company was the best return? Or or have you exited any of the companies yet?
2: Uh Me is gone. Um, I just couldn't work with them at all. And so we ended up, I ended up selling my share to a third party. Um, and so that business is gone. Uh, Car Cash has been fantastic. I think at the end of the day, so far in the first two seasons, ones that you have not seen, I would say that Automatch and Green Tea are the multi-million-dollar high-five winners. They're they're the big ones so far.
0: Excellent. Well, Marcus, I know you're you're busy. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I highly recommend everybody watch the shows to to see you in action as you as you fix these businesses. Whether you're an entrepreneur, an employee, a kid, a businessman, anyone. They're 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 really well done TV shows. There's a lot of drama. There's there there's the arc of the hero in these in each episode.
2: Well, what I ask for is that you know I always tell people, I know that your kids are supposed to be in bed early, either dvr it or let them, let them watch it because it's it's great for education. And I know that a lot of high school teachers, tons of them, and college professors are now showing the episodes in their class. And there's nothing more flattering than having you know, an educator, uh, use your work as part of a syllabus. So I, I encourage people, I, I hope they watch it, but I really strongly encourage people to have their kids watch it.
0: Well, you know, good luck with this season. And um, look, I hope you've, you find time for a personal life at some point in this because you've got to, you know, you've got to do stuff other than business every now and then.
2: Exactly. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much.
0: Okay. Thanks, Marcus. Bye. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today.